0: Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast exists to equip and inspire your heart-centered leadership. Every week, we bring interviews with some of the greatest heart sets and mindsets on the planet. I hope the heart print of our time spent together is that it creates new possibilities for you and all those you come into contact with. If you'd like to explore what we could make possible for you, then head to abty.co.uk forward slash connect and book in a free 30 minute call to begin our journey. Thank you for joining the first interview session of 2024. I wonder whether you have the habit or the practice of setting a word for the year. I've been thinking about my one word for the year and I'm torn between two words. The first word being foundation and the second being disciple. So I've got a couple of days to try and really get clear on what my one word will be for the year. Perhaps you've got yours. I'd love for you to know. DM me at always better than yesterday UK. Let me know what your one word is for 2024. Their first interview session of the year, episode 248, is with John Eldred. John is an author of many, many incredible books, including Wild at Heart, Discovering the Secret of a Man's Soul. We have an incredible conversation about the masculine journey. It's one that I hope encourages you, whether you're a, a man or a woman, I hope it gets you ever closer to discovering the secret of a man's soul. And brothers, if you're listening, I just hope that you have the ears to hear something that helps you connect with your heart today. Because what a gift that is to the world when you start to bring your whole heart. It's episode 248 with John Eldridge. John, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you, brother?
1: Oh, good. I,
0: I'm honored to be here with you. Thanks for having me on. We were just having a little chat off air, and um, sometimes people just put a book in your hand at the time when you just need to read it. And that book for me was this, Father by God, by written by none other than yourself. And um, that was given to me at this men's group. We've just started a men's group in our local church because I think is really needed i think you know christian men needing to journey together you know iron sharpens iron as the great proverb says is, is really powerful and and i know in one of the starts of one of your books it says don't need another men's book but we need more permission and i just wonder what the heart and the mind behind that bit why do, why do men need more permission
1: well <clears throat> because most attempts to help men whether within the faith community or outside that in the marketplace tend to start with behavior um you know you got to be a better guy you got to be a better dad do these five things get your act together right um and pressure kills just about everything it touches pressure mm-hmm. it'll kill a marriage it it'll kill a company mm-hmm. um and and it will kill the human heart and and what i'm after in In these books and and in our work is to heal and free the the heart of men. Mm. And so permission, that's an open door, right? That's a big broad horizon that we can walk together into some things without the pressure.
0: Mm. Love that. I was invited to talk a year or so ago around the world, word permission. And I like to be the nerd, you know, go into the dictionary, look at the certain definitions of the word permission. And and obviously, there's the obvious one, which is, you know, to permit. But there's another bit that just says to make possible. Mm. And I just I love that side of the word permission is because it just makes so much more possible when we can just connect a man to his heart.
1: Oh, massively. You you get a guy hooked back up to his heart mm-hmm. and his inmost passions, you you change the world. I mean, he's going to become a a lover and a warrior and a good (laughs) king. And yeah, off he goes.
0: Mm, You've just talked about some of the um, uh, archetypes of the the masculine journey. Would you mind just giving us a bit of an overview of that framework that you talk about? Yeah, yeah.
1: Let me me give a little background to it. So uh, 1995, I graduate uh, uh, from grad school as a therapist. I start working. And it just turned out that in our practice, we were working with primarily men, and it was everything from drug addiction, to, uh, suicidal um, thoughts, depression, marriage blowups, all that, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and it was fascinating, Ryan, as I began to do more reading and more work, looking at the masculine journey. What what is it that these men are missing in their development into a wholehearted? masculinity. Uh, I began to discover you can see it in film, you can see it in biography, you you Mm. can find it in the scriptures, there is this trajectory, there are these stages Mm. that men seem to need to pass through. And then that's that became kind of what you were referring to in the question. So I think it starts with beloved son. Mm. I think the young boy he has he has a fundamental need to know his dad adores him Mm -hmm. both mom and dad and we can talk about mother wounds father wounds they're very different he needs to know that he is adored that he is safe and he is deeply profoundly delighted in Mm -hmm. and the beloved son stage really lays the foundation to then move on to exploration risk taking you know that kind of thing so You go from beloved son to what I called here in America, here in the West, the cowboy stage. I was going to call it the shepherd stage after Mm -hmm. David in in the scriptures. But, oh, it just the idea of shepherd now is just dripping with so much Mm -hmm. religious association and kind of, yeah, creepiness that I chose Mm -hmm. cowboy because somewhere around the age of 13. This is really fascinating. You will see this in your son's. 12, 13, somewhere in there, he wants bigger adventures. He Mm -hmm. wants bigger challenges. And and this is a really, really key stage. About 12 to to 18, 19, Mm -hmm. um, he moves into the stage where um, he has physical experiences which are forming in him uh, courage Mm -hmm. and self-sacrifice and the understanding that there's a way things work in the world.
0: Right. Life's it, tough.
1: Yeah, look, like the beloved son, it's ice cream and Legos and, and <laughs> story time. And it's yeah. all that. It's bicycles, you know. But the cowboy stage, he begins to, it's, it's. I think, hard work is a very important part of it. Um, and it sets him up mm. that, to move into true maturity, which is around 19... <clears throat> Twenty two stages really mm-hmm. kick in: a stage of the warrior and the stage of the lover. Mm-hmm. Now these run parallel, um, but I I really hope a little bit of the warrior gets formed before he marries, mm-hmm. uh, before the lover you know really kicks in, because uh, the little boy has two fundamental needs. He needs to know his dad adores him, and he needs an answer to the question, do I have what it takes? Mm. And how that question does or doesn't get answered when he's young shapes the man. So the Mm -hmm. cowboy stage is really Mm -hmm. meant to shape that question of, I have what it takes. I can take risks. I can take challenges. I can face difficult things. I can undergo suffering without suffering, feeling like rejection. Yeah, yeah okay that's big if you get that yeah then in the warrior stage you'll notice that he needs a cause he needs a mission he needs a calling he needs he needs his life to be about something right yeah. yeah so he goes to university or to grad school he yeah maybe joins the forces or becomes uh you know a first line responder uh he needs a mission right mm-hmm. yeah and then the lover Kind of comes along there but the reason I put the lover after this is because if he doesn't know who he is mm. he's going to take all of that to the woman tell me who I am mm. and that's a mess mm. you want me to keep mm. going
0: no that's powerful I've got a couple of questions brewing from what you just said already and and I yeah. and I love this idea that um that that first question that's posed is, do I have what it takes and I love that the 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 devoted father allows the beloved son to soak in all that. Absolutely, son. Yes, you can, but it's also balanced with this, but you need a hundred experiences to go show yourself that too.
1: Yes. Yeah, it is. It's really true. I forget the old proverb, but like I think it goes something like, I hear, I forget, I see, I remember, I do, I understand. Yeah. Right. So it is very important to be told yeah. you are deeply loved and you have what it takes yeah it is a different thing altogether to discover for yourself Mm. right through experience that you do so we used to do a, a family uh camping trip every year that was near lakes and rivers and we had canoes and when the boys were very young they sat in the canoe while the adults paddled but then in the cowboy stage you see they took the front, they took the bow and and they have a paddle and they're learning how to navigate water and they're in charge, you know, somewhat. But then in, you know, in the warrior stage, we put them in charge of a canoe with human lives in their hands. Mm. And, And they understood this is a very serious thing. I am being entrusted with power. Will I handle it responsibly? yeah and those experiences those shape a man for adulthood I,
0: I and there's this i like the way that you play out this um this almost like spectrum it's like they need the they need these adventures and both too little and too much will both create a wound you know this perspective of you know i think we understand that like too much can can cause some serious harm you push a kid too far but also this overprotection the overprotection, trying to keep them safe. You know, I was raised single parent mum. There's, you know, I, there's something about maybe the mum that just wants to keep the little boy safe yeah, uh, that... and, actu- and actually withholds them from the experience. Uh, in, you know, and, and and understanding the perspective that that can equally cause a wound is, is a bit par- paradoxical.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much like a tree. You know, if if you protect a tree from the wind, its roots remain very shallow. Right. and actually the fiber of the tree itself uh, the core of the tree remains very weak it mm. needs to be subjected mm-hmm. to storms mm-hmm. and again like you're saying within moderation not violent hurricanes yes
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but
1: but also not a greenhouse tree
0: yeah
1: that, that has that hasn't had real life experience in nature yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can overprotect the boy. I think I would also add, Ryan, that for many men, as I've talked about the power of a father and, and the power of a father wound, they said, well, my dad was fine. You know, I didn't grow up in a violent home. I, I didn't grow up uh, in an alcoholic home, you know. But I would ask this question, but was he silent? Right. Yeah. Because silence is is on the other side, you were saying, where it's too little. There's I too said- much. And there's too little, nothing is said, nothing is given. Uh, and all, And while it doesn't look violent from the outside, it is nonetheless profoundly wounding.
0: Silence can be violence, right? And um, yeah, that was a bit I was going to add to, you know, you get the overprotective the mums, but also the passive dads, you know, some Dad, dads that are working more, they're coming home, stressed, disconnected from their hearts. They're not playing. And um, I've got to this stage in my life where I've, I've become a bit more kind of, I don't know if conservative is the word because that's a bit more political, but it, I've definitely got to a point where it's like family, I'm done with like capitalism and commercialism. I'm like, I want a ranch. I want to raise, you know, kids with my dogs. I want a, a cow in the field and get some, I've got to that point in my life, right? And I'm reading this book and I'm, I'm reading Father by God and I'm hearing about your early upbringing. I'm like, wow, like. It sounds beautiful. You talk about the experiences you had out on the ranch, and and um, so I was like, oh wow. And then you get to the bit where your your dad starts to become more stressed, and you talk about how that kind of time in your life just just came to an end. And I think that can equally cause some stress and some wounds. What was it about your situation that really kind of started to I don't want to say fall apart, but really just you know call take you away from that um, that special yeah. time in your life. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, I, my dad um, grew up in an alcoholic home. He used to have to go find his dad in the pubs and bring him home at night. Mm-hmm. And that is a very traumatizing experience for a boy. Right. right. He never talked about it mm-hmm. and he never dealt with it. And then he got into a difficult marriage. I think he married a pretty tough woman. Um, and the answer to the question, do I have what it takes, was always No.
0: Always. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so he started drinking. And, and by the time I'm five, six, seven years old, he becomes an alcoholic. And it just blew the whole story up all those early days, the, the fishing trips and all that, it all came to an end. And, and I became a very, um, I guess, like wild kid, almost a street kid you know arrested police record all that stuff um but it was really a cry for his engagement because he 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 just went he wasn't a violent man i'm i'm grateful to say when he was drunk he was scary uh but the problem was the silence it was the silence he he never answered the question do i have what it takes and then to the question of do you love me um uh, well He left, and so I had this massive abandonment wound, and these two things, you know, I' not really sure I have what it takes. Massive abandonment wound shaped my marriage for years.
0: Mm. Yeah, I uh, this is the bit where I really resonate because I I've written some stuff down here, just some bits where it was just like wow, super powerful, and you know, it's about this. The it says a boy is wounded in many ways. He is wounded when he does not live in a world made safe by his father, when he's not free to explore and dare and simply be a boy, when he's forced to grow up too soon, most especially when he does not know he is the beloved son. I shared that to my story on Instagram, and I can't tell you how many people responded with uh, an empathy and an understanding for that paragraph. It's far too common,
1: isn't it? Yeah. And, and Ryan, the, the, the good news is this is that by, by having this on your podcast, for example, I I think if we can help men and help women understand men, that every man carries a wound. And until that wound is healed. It, it, it's like asking a man to run a marathon with a broken leg. It's just, you know, you, why isn't he coming through? How come he didn't take the promotion? Why didn't he finish school? Whatever it is, you know,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you go,
1: well, he's got a wounded heart. That's why.
0: So, uh, there's, so that's a compassionate side of toxic masculinity, right? So there's this label going around toxic. It's, it, it, and it's very um, destructive. It, it stops yes. compassion and empathy for both sexes, right? If we want to start yeah. labeling and and when you start to think, oh, maybe there's a wound, or maybe there's a broken leg, you start to look at people very differently. But unfortunately, we live in a society right now that is labeling masculinity in such a way that it, it's um well, without being too conspiratorial about it, it is emasculating men
1: deeply. <clears throat> yeah, when I first started working with men thirty years ago, almost thirty five years ago, um, the 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 culture was wrestling with what is masculinity what is femininity you know we just had the feminist movement and a lot of good gains have been made you know Mm -hmm. equal pay and that sort of thing i get that absolutely now 30 years later we're at a point in in culture where people are wondering if these are even legitimate categories and and that is profoundly disorientating it really is like if you don't have guidance Mm. into what it means to be masculine to be feminine to you know whoa that that can make people feel very lost indeed
0: yeah yeah i um i was talking to a little bit off air i've been with my wife since i was 15 so literally man and boy right and um and even a lot of my adulthood was still a, a young boy in there, you know, is yeah, because I my, my father left when I, was, when I was six months old, and stepdad when I was 12, granddad when I was 12, 13. So, the male, the, the, the story I have in my heart, my mind is that male, male role models don't stick around, yeah. you know, not love, don't stick around. Yeah. So, that abandonment wound has been very prevalent throughout my life, and even to a point where it showed up in my kind of career in the late, um, in my late 20s. I used to have a career in policing. And there was a bit where at one point my senior leaders sat around and severely judged my social media profile. (laughs) And it was just triggering me in ways I didn't really rationalize or understand. But again, it was just this repeat male kind of, you don't belong, you don't matter. Like, so I've had to really go to spaces and places where, uh, you know, and, and and somehow along my journey, I end up in a church. <laughs> like it's the last place I ever thought I would be, you know, man of science. I was I was never going to rely on a heavenly father because I've been so kind of let down by an earthly one. And yet here I was in a church having this, all I can describe it as a Father's Day moment. And the pastor said, that's it, men, come down the front. We're going to say some words over you. I thought, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, <laughs> I thought I, I didn't have a faith at this point, but. Um, I ended up going down there, and, and as the pastor said these words, he said, That's it, women. If you want to put your hands out towards these men, you do that. And my wife, it was like she firebombed me in my spine, it was like my whole body caught fire, my eyes streamed. And I, you know, and, and I've been that was five four years ago, 2019, and I, that was my Jesus encounter. Like something happened in my heart that I've never been able to muster anger like towards the father. Um, since that day and i and i've tried to be a good disciple since and, and 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 the reason i can attribute that to i think healing an abandonment wound is because i was presented an opportunity recently to really find out the answer am i really a man do i have what it takes when it really counts as you put in your book because there was a spiritual attack on my marriage there's a spiritual mm-hmm. attack on my marriage which all i can say is i handled it like a lion and a lamb a lion to the external and a lamb within the family home. And Jesus worked in me and through me in ways that Ryan Hartley, four years ago, would have acted out of a wound and that would have been the end of my marriage. And uh, so all I can say is a testimony to this stuff is that we need Jesus in our life. We need these these wounds healed because it makes incredible things possible.
1: It really does. we move out of a reactive mode, just reacting, reacting, reacting to our world, reacting to disapproval, reacting to fear, reacting to rejection. Mm. And we begin to live out of a healed place like you're describing, Ryan. It's such a beautiful
0: story. Yeah. The way I see it is it's learning how to lead from love, not for love. You know, my my greatest lesson of of all my life is that i did so much for love and i guess that's that's the work of the enemy isn't it that's that's first having me believe that it's not present that i'm not the beloved son yeah. and, and and that's that's such a uh, such an evil tactic for any man to certainly believe that he is not loved that we then go off and search it and there's another i'm going to read this one quote because it's so so powerful um but it it says this Without this core affirmation or core assurance, men will un- move unsteadily through life, trying to prove his worth or earn belovedness. Through performance, achievement, sex, and a thousand other ways, he never knows his search. It's ruled by fears. He wants others to notice him, and he longs for comfort. And, um, yeah, it's, his heart is yearning. And, yeah. and, and, and that hmm. is men up and down the country, all around the world, particularly in the highest points of uh, corporate world, shall we say, Uh, because there's there's a lot of men out there searching for love that they first believe that is not present. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because see, each stage builds on the next. You've got beloved son, and then you've got the risk-taking cowboy stage, the formation of the teenage boy to a young man. You've got the warrior lover, and then comes the king. The king and then the sage, and the great question of the world is, why can't we trust men? Mm. Mm-hmm. And especially, why can't we trust men in power, <clears throat> whether that's office or money or you know social influence? That co- why can't we? Well, it's, he's an unformed man; he's mostly boy inside, yeah. and, and so yeah, he gets a chance to get some belovedness in, in in other partners or in, you know, he gets affirmation of his identity in money or in approval. Yeah, he's going to make a mess of things. He's going to do a lot of harm.
0: Yeah. And particularly if they've not embraced this idea that life's supposed to be hard, because you talk about how, you know, many men are just, just trying to create a life. They're trying to use their energies to make a comfortable life. They're trying to be nice, trying to have it soft and you say that that's no way for a man to leave, live a life i interviewed a guy called dr john gray who's the author of a book called men are from mars women are from venus and and john says that actually at a hormonal level that's an addiction if a man is seeking too much comfort in his life he's just full of um estrogen and and he says hormonally that is an addiction
1: yeah yeah sorry to sorry to break this to all you guys like There is a place for comfort because we are, you know, the boy grows up with mother and dad and mother is mercy and mother is kindness and meant to be mother is meant to be unconditional love. There is a core need for that, but a man cannot build his life around the search for comfort and ease. And guys, you live in a comfort culture. You don't, you don't like the weather. You just walk over to the wall and change the temperature, right? Mm-hmm. You don't like what you're listening to. You don't like this podcast. You just go to a different one. You you know, on and on the comfort yeah. goes. Yeah. And we don't realize that it, it, it's not good for masculine formation. So here's a funny story, Ryan, from our house mm-hmm. last week. So my wife bought new towels, new bath, bath towels. Yeah and they they are the most cushy, soft, luxurious towels that I, I mean I, more than like a really rich hotel. I yeah. and I'm like, babe. <laughs> I can't use these yeah they're they're too they're over the top, yeah and I and we had this funny conversation of we we now have feminine towels and masculine towels.
0: yeah, the crispy ones. <laughs>
1: Yes, because my life is not meant to be cushy in every possible way.
0: Yes. The more I'm prioritizing my comfort, my needs, the more I'm prioritizing me rather than you. Exactly. It breeds narcissism. Hundred percent, and I think anyone that's looking at life as it, you know, much of the world is like, let's let's put happiness first. You know, when I when I had some struggles um, in my marriage five years ago, the advice I got from non-Christian counsel was like, oh, you know, happy dad, happy kids. Like, someone wasn't kicking my ass and sending me back to my wife better for her. You know, someone a good Christian counsel would have done that, but I didn't have that five years ago. I had someone telling me to prioritize my happiness, and all will be well. Yep. And, and that, that breeds nothing but self-indulgent pleasure-seeking people that can't focus on anything beyond themselves.
1: What's fascinating, Ryan, is that in the core of the boy's heart, you watch them play games. <clears throat> he wants to be the hero. <clears throat> he wants to come through. He wants to, you know, fight the dragon or challenge the bear or explore the cave <laughs> or, you know, <clears throat> cross the creek. The when men begin to discover this, you have a strength and it is for others. Mm. You have a strength. It is for others. Mm. Something new begins mm. to get formed in the center of his being. It is a it is a phenomenal feeling to know that you can make a difference in the world on behalf of others because of your masculine heart because of who you are that is the only cure for the narcissistic life
0: well it's like you said earlier when uh, when the um <laughs> when the warrior is trying to find that cause because the scripture that says you know no greater gift is man than to lay down his life for those that he loves right and if a man's going to sign that contract and lay down his life for those that he loves he sure as hell ever have a have a, have a you know have a clear mission in his heart, you know, whether that be for those that he loves, that he knows that he truly loves for the mission, yeah. um, because that's the consequence. That's the sacrifice, you know, a man living from his heart will make. It will be, it will be service. Yeah. It will be sacrifice. And, you know, maybe, maybe there are people that are still listening to this that, that, that do not have a faith, but um, they're, they're starting to wonder why, how might we talk about a warrior, you know, in a position, you know, how might the character of Jesus be, be poignant and relevant when we talk about warrior because for for those that might not have a faith they might see that as being slightly paradoxical
1: yes yeah well and many who have a faith because they were given a christ that was a very weak
0: right figure
1: that he is only kindness and not also Mm. strength that he is only mercy but not also justice and and he really he really you get to a point. Many people have a vision of Christ. You wonder if he can even get the job done. <laughs> you know, can he come through? How can this person be Lord of the universe? <laughs> <clears throat> and that's a big failure, I think, of the church was to emasculate Jesus. Right. And and because men they want to follow someone like mm. show me the way. I want mm. I I need people to show me the way. Whether it's the guy working on my car you know are fixing my home show me the way
0: well <clears throat> and if you think about the people that gave up their lives to follow him you know we're talking about fishermen we're talking about you know we're talking about actual the most probably masculine yeah. men of that generation you know yes. and they they quite willingly he says follow me and they're like right that's it I'm off there must have been something about him and and that's why my wife and I love watching the chosen because you get so much more context around the the yes. character and the environment. We we, we love that little bit where he was pre- he was preparing for the sermon on the mount. I don't know if you've seen it, but you just think, ah, yeah, like he's a human being. He's like he's like fully human. Of course, he's probably doing some of those things. But like you read yeah. a you read a scripture that's <laughs> like ten <laughs> passages long, and you think there's no context. There's no Jesus took a walk and he was practicing his speech.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When you see the warrior Jesus many times, you see it when he confronts religious hypocrisy. Yeah. He, he knows he's going to get in trouble. Yeah. And he doesn't shy away from it. He has difficult words for people. He, he knows tough love, Mm. uh, but, but especially, especially in the confrontation of evil, Mm. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis when he wrote near Christianity, one of the things he said was he was shocked in reading the Bible, how much it talked about a great evil power in the world mm. and that we live in a world at war between good and evil. And, and he, he's like, it explains so much. Yeah. I mean, how do you explain, you know, the, the human trafficking and the terrorism and all, all of the heartache of the world? <clears throat> we are in a great battle with evil. And not just evil in the human heart, but actual personified forces of darkness. Well, Jesus Christ walked into hell, Mm. took away the keys of death from the evil one himself. I mean, talk about the warrior, Mm. his fierce strength when you need him to be Mm. is just remarkable to watch.
0: Yeah. And um I just I just think the word courage, you know, with in the, the, the root of the word in French is courage, heart. You know, courage is walking with that heart. And I think that that's so much of that, you know, I think men admire that in you know, particularly in the Hollywood, you know, brave heart type stuff, like but that's what it is, it's connecting with him with his own heart, his his love for you know, his, his family, his children, whatever it is. And, you know, I guess, where do, how does how does one start to understand the tools and the tactics of the enemy? Do you have a belief that the enemy works in a particular way? Because I think if we're at a battle, we're never going to win that battle if we don't know what who the enemy is, where they are, and how they work.
1: Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> his primary tool is, is lies. Mm-hmm. It, Jesus calls him the father of lies. Mm -hmm. And what he is seeking from us are what we call agreements. This will be very, very helpful for your listeners. So in other words, he knows your story. (laughs) He knows whether or not you were loved. He knows what you were rewarded for. He knows where rejection came. He knows where trauma came. And he will come in like in a marriage. And what he will whisper is she doesn't really love you. And if you make an agreement with that, it will destroy the marriage because it becomes the lens through which you see everything. You know, it might be at work. It's that, you know, you don't have what it takes. Uh, No one appreciates you. Uh, You're weak. You're dumb. Uh, You're stupid. Uh, If you make agreements with these things, they frame the way you experience the world and they become very, very crippling. And so you go back to my story, alcoholic father, mom is gone uh, back to work, you know, when I'm very young, five years old. I have no memory of playing with my mother. I have no memory of her reading a book to me. So pretty profound abandonment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I made a very, very deep agreement with the lie. uh, I will never trust anyone. Don't, Mm -hmm. Don't ever trust anyone. Okay, people will fail you. And that shaped me. I became very um, isolationist, uh, not trusting, very guarded in every situation. There's no joy in that life. There's no intimacy. There's no romance. There's no love in that life until I broke that agreement and said that I reject that. That's not true. Um, And and so that's the primary way he works is getting us to make agreements Mm about identity, about others, about the world, you know, our work, our place. And if you can begin to see those agreements mm. and break them, it can yeah. be very, very, very free.
0: Yeah. You know, I think God makes a lot of effort in giving us promises. And I think the enemy just has to go, really? You sure? Like just that that one degree of doubt where just that's, you know, and, and for me, that leads mm. to a division, is the division between us and God, this division between man and wife. And and John, I'll tell you what, I laughed when I picked up this book, Wild at Heart, after this situation that I talked about with my wife and I a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> well, it's safe to say we had a spiritual attack on our marriage. Mm. And and the, the devil uh, section, in you know, a battle to fight with the enemy, <laughs> do you want to know how our, our division started? Parking my wife told me where to park <laughs> and to read your story in here. I took it straight down to my wife and I was like, see, that's how the enemy gets in. Right. Because <laughs> then it's the message. Yes. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what was you the don't message? Trust me. Well, it's like, you don't trust me. And the message back was, I tell her every single time, stop telling me where to park. I've got this. And yeah. she's like, I'm just being kind. He's being yeah. mean. Is he always going to be this mean to me? Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. So here's another whisper of the enemy. He immediately jumps in and he says, she always does that.
0: And he'll never change.
1: Yeah. And if you make an agreement with that, it will really shape the way you experience one another. So it's just so helpful. Yes. To expose this and go, wait a second. That's not you. And that's not me. We have an enemy our marriage has an enemy our children have an enemy and you can watch the assault on their young hearts and their identity you know the teasing the taunting the bullying or the isolation Mm -hmm. right yeah you can watch the battle for their hearts and you can help them with these agreements and say sweetheart what are you feeling right now i just feel dumb feel Mm -hmm. like nobody likes me Mm -hmm. honey that that's the enemy trying to get you to believe that and you can lead even your children in breaking agreements with these these lies
0: yeah it, and, and it's and that's it and you know for, for my wife and i we, we've been kind of journeying on faith for three four years but we were so naive to this powerful play that you know because if you don't learn to dissociate you know the the voices it's all just one inner narrative right it sounds like your own head voice you it's not clearly well, this one's labeled. It's not, you know, talking in a creepy voice or anything. It, it and and so the act of discernment, particularly, you know, man and woman in a relationship, learning how their partner isn't the enemy, but the enemy is, you know, in at play, is such a helpful thing because so often I think we associate the worst of each other as character, as behavior, without going, actually, do you know what? that isn't who you are at your best. And I call you higher. And 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 for, for for Lisa and I, I think the thing for me as a man, is I had never put my hand on my wife and prayed for her. I had, I just, I was probably a bit too awkward with my own faith, never really had a prayer life. I tell you what, since that day, every day. And right. the level of intimacy, the level of connection, the level of teamwork and journeying, like, I'm just, I I'm it took as long as it took to get me there. It obviously took the spiritual attack. I can't. If I love where I'm at now, I can't hate what got me there. But I wish that there was something that I could say to anyone that's listening to go, get there quick and do it now. Like yep. you should be glad you did. Yeah, get
1: there quick and do it now. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's just so good. Also, if you don't know your wife's story, if you don't know your husband's story, this will be very, very, very intimate it's something to be done with um grace and with space mm. you need to tell each other your story yeah. because guys if you don't know what her dad's message was to her you're going to be walking into those booby traps and you don't even know why you triggered her right oh my goodness it, 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 but if you know oh her dad's message you know my wife developed an eating disorder because her dad's message to her was, if you are overweight, no boy will ever love you. And, and so for me to make any comment about, really, you're going to have a piece of pie? Or you know, was just so triggering. And I didn't know why. Well, I'm yeah. walking into this minefield called her story.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes
1: know one another's story so that you know where those core agreements are and you know where the battle for the heart is
0: it's so subtle isn't it you know i i have a one-liner that i say to my wife when i'm stressed that i said what you have to understand is and way, the way that she receives that now that we've talked to, she's like, that's so condescending. You think you like this and that. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And I'm like, no, it's coming from a place where I feel misunderstood. Like, yeah. <laughs> like oh. And it was like us, oh, so we, we, we both put that in the middle. And she's like, oh. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> but you can't have those conversations in the heat of the battle, in the heat of the uh-huh. moment. because you just It's just not something about yeah. our brains just don't allow us to go to the compassionate side of things
1: yeah yeah that's actually interesting that you say that because um compassion is actually a very very sophisticated function in the brain it it is it, it's a complex process it does take time
0: well i was reading earlier this year the gospel of mary and the um the author uh or did an analysis of it a bit of a and and i think the, the deduction was that they believed that compassion is a feminine trait <clears throat> and the reason they got to that conclusion was the fact that when Jesus is ultimately on the cross none of the disciples were present you know if you think about that core masculine trait, I think John was was there but but think about that core masculine trait which is to problem solve and fix it right as a guy on a cross hmm. you can't really fix that and, and so it's hard to watch it's hard to look, it's hard to be present so I think the more and more a man is able to have these kind of open hearted experience compassion for self and others become possible. And I think, you know, I think women are yearning for a man to connect with their heart. And mm-hmm. I think he's only ever going to be do that to the depths that he's met himself. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I just love the, 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 books that you, that you've put out into the world because, because you're giving a man permission to connect to the depths of his heart. I love the way that you share these stories of of your, your childhood and your experiences and your interpretations and your marriage because we're journeying with with, with, we're journeying with each other right we're brothers on this journey and 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 just yeah just I guess what I'm trying to say is just thank you for your work John because I think you're giving so many men the permission Mm -hmm. to to meet themselves at their depths
1: if we can help men heal at the level of the heart that brings me enormous joy
0: yeah why do you think um why do you think faith is such an important part of of that journey then
1: Well, your being, you are body, soul, and spirit. You you are by nature a spiritual being. And it might be music for you. It might be the outdoors. It might be art. But you have a spiritual life. Everyone does. What we want to do is hook up to the creator of our hearts to our true father so that we can get more tight. With the whole story, more guidance, more counsel, more wisdom, more healing in it. You know, your your experience of Jesus healing that fundamental abandonment wound. I just want to say, folks, that that's available. Mm. You just say, okay, Jesus, I'm in. Please come. I, I give you access to my heart. I I need that. I want. That I, I I I need healing and and formation and all that my soul cries out for. Let let's not just bumble around in the dark here, folks. Let's get hooked up to the one who knows you best and loves you most.
0: Mm. Yeah, so much of my downfall and my barrier to coming to faith was this. Just it felt passive. It felt surrender, and it felt like I you know you I, I mom single parent. She grew up four jobs never took a day off you know independent never asked for help like i inherited the best and the worst of that do you know what i mean and and the worst of that meant that i would keep going and keep going and force my will and force my will until it got me to a point where i it couldn't make stuff happen yeah and um you know and, and i very much learned that surrender is certainly not an act of giving up it's an act of trust yeah and um you know f- for me it's i um as bizarre as it is to, to have a relationship with th- that someone isn't physically here for anyone that can't understand that it is a piece that transcends all understanding.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get to be friends with the smartest person in the universe. Why, why would you turn that down? You need counsel. What do you do with your life? How do you get out of this debt? What do you do with this difficult marriage? How do you overcome your addictions? Look, you, you can be pals with mm-hmm. the, most brilliant person Mm. and he's playful the thing that i love about jesus i love his warrior heart i love his playfulness Mm. he is downright funny folks (laughs) and he, he will say things and do things that he knows your particular sense of humor that's just the best
0: yeah you're talking about beautiful outlaw experiencing the playful disruptive extravagant personality of jesus uh, what's on your heart and your mind at the moment, John? Is there is there a sort of particular passion? Is there something that you're you're bringing into the world at the moment that's uh, really got you on fire?
1: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think what we have to help folks understand now is that to to be a human being at this moment on the planet is to be traumatized. Right. It, um, they did some fascinating research, Ryan, after nine eleven happened uh, in the U S and in fact, it was fascinating. I was actually in, in uh, Edinburgh when, when it happened, mm-hmm. uh, when nine 11 happened, uh, here's what they discovered later. Um, men and women who watched it on television experienced the same level of PTSD as people who were there in person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it has to do with visual images and the brain's inability to sort reality from fiction and that sort of thing. It's why movies work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, To be a human being at this moment is to be traumatized. The amount of the the amount of information you're exposed to, the amount of change, heartache, loss, deprivation, all that. What I'm passionate about, Ryan, is God heals trauma. Yeah. He heals the human soul. The soul, and here's how it goes: the soul is healed through union Mm. with God. Mm. Not just belief in God but actual union, your being is porous. It's meant to be filled with the life of God. And this is the best news in the world because what do you tell that 14-year-old in India who's being sexually trafficked? I'm sorry, you got to get to a therapist. You need, you need 5,000 pounds to get to a trauma intensive. Like that's horrible that you have God mm. and he can heal your trauma that
0: is what i want folks
1: to know.
0: yeah it's really powerful isn't it and i think for for me you know the marketing of the church is is, is uh, never been great particularly in my neck of the woods because it, i i as a young boy growing up never had you know someone in my network of friends I say growing up so i never knew what a christian a young male christian looked like yeah same it pointy building everyone sits in rows and we say peace be with you at the end of the ceremony <laughs> and I just thought there's no way I want to be Ned Flanders do you know what I mean there was just that was just not my that was just not who I am that wasn't but it's you know my, my wife kind of got into faith and, and asked me to go to this kind of Christian festival I was like sounds like my idea of a worst nightmare do you know what I mean but I got there and it was just incredible people from all walks of life and God has a sense of humor, just the, the, the lyrics that he was putting on my heart and you know I was never hearing music like it and that was the way that I was being spoken to was through the power of music. But um mm. and then I, and then you start to dial your own ear in and start to, you know, books and, and I get to have great conversations with great people like you. But hopefully this conversation between two men, you know, starts something for someone, you know. I think for me, it's just being an open-mindedness, a curiousness, a curiosity. Sorry, of uh, something's, and then that's the thing. I think this is the power of testimony, because those those people who knew me before, there was something different about this guy. This guy was this guy's pretty smart and intelligent, and he keeps talking about this Jesus guy. Like, what's that about? Yeah. (laughs) and and I think it starts a conversation and it is a conversation. I don't need I don't mean to ever speak about faith in a way of being righteousness as if we've got the key to everything, which obviously we do but it's more about a journey. It's more about a walking this path together with other men yes. and um, I think that's just what your books invite people to do so well.
1: Yeah. you have permission to be where you are without judgment and you have permission to come forward. Yeah, join the healing journey.
0: Mm. Is there anything about your body of work that I've not asked you that you'd love to share?
1: Oh, no, you've done a brilliant job in the interview. It's been a delightful, delightful conversation.
0: That's very kind of you. I have a word here that I use always, but in this day it's called heartprint. And the word symbolizes the ripple effect, the legacy, the, you know, the, the things that we make possible for other people. In some way, there's a, a one degree of, change in a man's heart, someone's heart, or maybe their marriage or their words, their actions, their self-talk, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, all things are different. Nothing's ever the same. John, you've put out some incredible work. You have a beautiful family. I just wondered if you'd take a moment just to reflect on what you hope your heart print will be.
1: Mm. Well, here's what I want it to be. I want millions of people to experience the healing of their hearts through the playful, fierce personality of Jesus.
0: Mm. Mm. A man's heart reflects the man. Yeah, beautiful. John, thank you for your time. Thank you for all of your work. i will be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self.
1: Well, first one for you, because you didn't have good masculine presence in your life. I want to say, Ryan, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. I'm very proud of who you are and who you are becoming. You have a beautiful heart. And I think what I want to say by parting words is, folks, your story matters. Your story matters very deeply to God. And he is able to sort it out with you. Give him permission. Give him access to your story.
0: Beautiful. John, thank you, brother.
1: Yeah, great to be with you.
0: Today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate it if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.